Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Motorsport Minute. Today we are joined with famous team as kicker driver, Zach Ponzer. He has been uh, nationally known, driving all over the place. Get to hear a little bit more of the why and how he does it. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. We are the best motorsports podcast uh, out there right now, as well as I'm aware of. All right, let's hop in. So what got you in the derbying? Uh, it started, I mean, a long, long time ago. My my uncles used to build cars out of my mom and dad's farm there. When I was a little kid, I was just super, super intrigued by it. Um, pretty much just gutting the cars out, tearing them all apart. And then it's still to this day, just like taking an old beat up car, sitting on the tree rows with weeds growing all over it and pulling into the shop and making it run and move again and painting it all up, making them look sharp. And it's it just the whole process of it was just always intriguing. You know, when I was a little kid, I'm I'm talking like six, seven years old. I used to sneak yeah. out of the house and run out to the barn where, where my uncles built cars and just help them out for a little bit and watch them, you know, pull an engine out, an old rusty hunk of junk, and then put one in that runs. And just intrigued by just the, the mechanics behind it and how they could do that, take an old running vehicle that was just rusted up and, yeah. you know, give it one last ride. And then on top of that, go out there and smash it up for as long as they do. You know, you take a normal car that it goes down the road and it breaks down and doesn't work and, we're taking these things and smashing them into each other time after time after time. And they keep moving, you know, they're bellied right. out, they're tipped up. They're just wheels are falling off, but it's just that the drive, it's still going. Like that just intrigues me to still to this day. It does, you know, it's, it's right. just awesome. I, I love it. Yeah. The sports evolved immensely since, well, probably the times you're talking to now, but I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to go, go back and watch the old stuff kind of how they did it in the simplistic way, you know, they did it with what they had, not much, not much. And they still probably made it as far as some of these cars do now, as far as running time wise. So it's, yeah, it every once in a while, we'll find an old farmyard that's got some old derby cars that were ran, you know, in the eighties and you look yeah. them over and some of them guys back then though, they were, they were crafty. Like they <laughs> were making stuff work and, and laying stuff in door seams that it's like, what in the heck, how did these pass? old school tech like that you know and when i first started driving i remember like cages weren't, weren't even a thing back then the very first time we seen a sort of cage at all it was at the local show here in animus it was shay and duke brought down some cars and they had one single dash bar and one single door bar no halo no gas tank protector none of that stuff and like the judges went ballistic they they were just sitting there yelling at them like these cars will never bend this is insane you can't do that Right. And it's like, wow. Nowadays, you know, if, if you showed up with something like that, you wouldn't get to run based off of safety. They just wouldn't let you. You know, it's it's evolved, like you said, so much as far as the builds, the the equipment, just everything that goes with it. Yeah, that's so true. When I started having a rear seat bar, like you had something. Yeah, yeah guys that didn't have it. If you had means to put in, like well well pipe as like a rear yep. seat bar, you had something. <laughs> And we did. I remember when we, our first couple of cages, if you want to call it that, it was, uh, it was well piped, welded to some railroad plates. And we literally had it in with like two, three eighths bolts on each side is what we, we just drilled into the, the inner door skin. And that yeah. was our cage. And like you said, when we showed up, we were, we were like professionals, like, dang, we got something here. You know, that's, yeah. that's just crazy. Yeah, no, I remember even prior to me getting into the sport, watching, uh, you run, um obviously with Shane Duke there for quite some time uh, and then well, obviously I've seen you run down a blizzard bash and well, all over the countryside more or less for 
for years already. Uh, always, always a joy to watch. You've always been a pretty, pretty good wheel man. So, uh, where, where did the, where did the skills come just, uh, over time? Living uh, a lot of seat time, but it basically, when I was young, I mean, I, like any young kid, I didn't have a whole lot of money. Like most of my, most of my parts came from Christmas presents and birthday presents. And mm -hmm. it started to got to a point where it's like, I have to finish in the money or I won't be able to afford gas to go to the next show. So right. it was like, you got to figure it out and make the car last, whether it's, I've never been the best builder, I guess. Like my cars still, they're, they're pretty shocked after the show. They're not hard by any means, but just at a young age, it's like, you got to figure out how to get in the money. So you got enough to go run next weekend. So that's kind of where my mentality was. And just watching a lot of, a lot of watching old tape too. You know, you just watch old videos, just like back when I was in sports and in football, like yep. you watch it, you see what you did wrong, what you should have did here and didn't do there. And it's, you just keep that in your head. So then you're on the track, you get in a situation. It's like, well, this is what got me out last time. So you just kind of stick with that and that it just progresses from that and just kind of comes natural now where you just keep yourself out of bad situations and try and, you know, be defensive and offensive driving at the same time. It seems like. Right. What kind of cars did you start running when you first started out? That's the wild part is I was, I was a new style Fords back then, you know, back then that's when Fords were junk and nobody, nobody ran them. I was actually getting cars for free. Like the first car I ever ran full size was a 79 crown Vic. And I got that from free from Derby guys around here that they just Fords were garbage. Nobody wanted them, especially the new iron. Nobody knew nothing about them. So Right. I was getting free hand-me-down cars from people because that's all I could afford. And, <laughs> you know, looking back, God, some of the cars that we passed up on, I remember specifically there was a, a 74 Pontiac wagon, so a round back, running 455 in it. The guy wanted 350 bucks for it. And I'm just like, no way, I, I can't afford that. Like, right. passed up on it, you know. And a lot of sedans, 74 Impalas, that $100, $150, that it's like, no, nope, that's out of my price range. I can't afford it. And But I'll buy that. 67 Ford sitting right next to it for 25 bucks and, and try to run that, you know, it's, right. We did a lot of that, unfortunately, and went back to them honey holes and they're all gone, of course, but yeah, that's just, it's there too. How the, how the sports progressed, who would have thought that a guy would be paying three, four, five thousand $5,000 for a car to, to go out and smash it. Oof, yeah. Did you, did you run anything other than full size? I guess I should ask that. I, the, the first, the very first car I ever ran in my life was actually at the Mandan Speedway. It was uh, like a mid 80s uh, Oldsmobile Calais is what it was. So I ran Herbie Derby and uh, we set okay. it up. We built it for, for a different guy, actually. Um, and me and my cousin built it. And when we got to the show, because we, uh, it was actually Jamie Scott was who it was. He unfortunately passed away here a couple of years ago, but that's actually why I run the number I do with 31. He, we built it, he painted it all up and had, he put his number on it. So the number 31 and we got to the show and he's like, you know what, you, you built this car. And I was, I was 12 years old when I ran my first show. Wow. He goes, you built this, you can drive it. We actually had to sign up under my cousin's name because I wasn't legal to do it. Right. So we signed up under his name. I went out there and ran and I lucked out and won it. And ever since then, it's like, well, that number must be pretty lucky. So I stuck with that and um, been running it ever since. And, and Mandan was, yeah, my first show. And I've mm -hmm. ran there a bunch of times. It's always been one of my favorite tracks to run. But uh, no, I ran, used to run a lot of Pinto wagons back in the day. Had a few Fairmonts that we built. And that was, uh, I mean, that was before the, the Illuminas and everything became so right. wicked and crazy tough. But right. we could build a, a Pinto. And I mean, 
I'd load it up on the trailer. We'd leave it loaded up pretty much all summer. And like me and when Mikey used to run with me, we would uh, just kind of like, hey, let's go to the whatever, Leeds Derby. It's like, do they have a Herbie Derby? Yep, I think so. It's like, okay, we'll bring it with. And we'd bring it with and, I mean, go out there, run. <laughs> we had a pretty good setup back then, so we won a lot right. of shows doing that. And three, 400 bucks here and there, we just go to derbies all summer and hit them up. If we weren't running full size, we'd run that compact stuff. And, and it worked for a long time. Yeah, but it's just kind of you know we evolved like everything. It's they weren't paying as much as the full size, and we just kind of put a lot more time and effort into the full size, which we didn't yeah. have that time then for for the compact. So basically, just sold out. That was a few years ago. I sold all my all my compact stuff there. So your brother he ran Pintos and stuff for a while. Yeah, that that who bought it all? Yeah, he bought my motors, rear ends, all. And I had oh okay. gosh, I thought I sold him about a dozen Pinto wagons too, which them. Them aren't a very common car, but I gobbled up as many as I could. So he's still sure. sitting on. I bet he's got eight or nine back there that that he sure. if he gets a wild hair up his butt to to <laughs> run here and there. But then it's like he works on it for about three hours, and he realizes that that's not fun. Driving's the fun part, so he kind of kind of steers away from it. But he's still got all the stuff out there, and I'm sure if he watches this, then he'll be all fired up to to build a car or two. And so yeah. we'll see if, it, if he sticks with it this time. It's been a long time since I've seen him in a car. A long time. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, I've seen him. It's uh, like for sure, life man, gets in the way. Yeah. That's usually where he ends up running. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, he's just like anyone else, though. I mean, it, it's fun to do when you're when you're kind of single or just got a girlfriend. But then you you get a real job and have a couple kids. Well, that that takes up a lot of your free time. So he's doing his motocross racing and everything too. So that's kind of impedes on on building cars. Yeah, it makes it a lot harder. I don't think people understand. Uh, you people probably a lot of people still think derbying is just kind of a redneck thing, but yeah, for sure. Realistically, there's a lot of ingenuity, engineering, um, a lot of money on the line. I mean, yep. top quality parts. You know, I don't think people quite realize how much actually does go into it these days, and. It it's almost a second full time job if you want to be competitive. Oh, for sure. Between like you said, the the time invested, the money invested, and just the you know that that's the the engineering that we have into it, and the professionalism that that a lot of drivers do carry. You know, the guys that like Blizzard Bash, the prime example. Any big show, really. You know, guys pour their heart and soul into them cars, and it say, and every single person out there has got a chance to win. It seems like there's no slouches, like. When I first started Derby, and I mean, you go to a Derby around here, there's 45 cars, and I mean, there's like three or four of them that are, you know, are going to win just because right. they, they outstand the rest. It's And I remember back in the day, too, running, it's like, gosh, how do these guys, how do they do it? How are their cars so strong? And it's like, because they're putting good bumpers on, because their motor doesn't quit running, because their axles don't break off in one hit. Like, right. that's how they look consistent and win all the time, because they, they invest the time and the money where... You know, we were running that one year. I ran 16 shows with 16 different cars, Ooh. and I made the feature twice, and I placed once. And it's basically because we were we were building the cars in like two or three days. We didn't put the time and money into one car and and build a good solid car and bumper swap and motor swap and all this stuff. And right. that's kind of it was actually I think that was 2003 or four. It was Husker Havoc two was the first big show I ever went down to with Shea and Duke and. Okay. I got down there and it was just like there had been a hundred cars there and you look at the professionalism behind it and every single car was just 
They had headers going out the roof. They had just wicked engines. You know, they were had new tires all the way around. They were set up to, they were derby cars. They weren't just cars that were getting derby. Like these right. were purpose-built cars. And ever since then, it's like, that's the level I need to get on. So that following winter, when I came back, I ran, I think four, I ran four or five cars after that. And I made the feature with all five of them. And I took, I think I took three first places home in two seconds. And it's sure. just like, I invested the time and the money and focused on, a couple cars rather than a bunch of cars and and ran good you know and that's kind of right from there on it's like this is where i want to be you know and it right. a lot of sacrifices along the ways when i was young i mean i used to hunt and fish i used to go out boating all the time i had four wheelers i had motorcycles and we just kind of they got in the way you know instead of riding dirt bike i worked on cars instead of going to the lake i worked on cars instead of you know, you know all that stuff i i worked on cars and I mean, it, it paid off. The time invested paid off. I mean, I, I don't, I enjoy what we're doing, building cars and running consistently. And that's just, that's, that's where I'm at, I guess, you know, everyone's got kind of their, their own fun. I always say, you got to waste your money on something. Might as well be something you're good at. So <laughs> right. that's, that's what we've been sticking to. It's so true though. I don't know how many times when I was younger, uh, friends would ask to go to the lake or whatever it may be. And I, was at home working on cars, you know, exactly. And, yep. And the same thing, my first maybe three or four full size cars were just like cars I bought that were running and driving, got them going type deal, you know, just did the old tricks, tie the choke back, you know, Yeah. And, you know, I started watching more and more people builds kind of progressed and that was maybe 10 or I don't know, one of the maybe second year, third year blizzard bash when I first went down just to watch and it's like, yeah, kind of the same mentality. Like this is yep. exactly where I want my build to be. And yeah, I mean, everything progressed from there. It's and kind it of does. winner's mentality. <laughs> it is. It really is. And just, you know, they say too, success breeds success. So when you mm -hmm. go to a big show like that, you see it and just see how successful people are like that, that pushes you to be a better builder and a better driver and, just being in on that venue or in that atmosphere of what it is. It's like you get pumped for it. And I mean, you get excited to build cars again that sometimes, you know, throughout the year, you, you like, I get burnt out a little bit. It's like, gosh, I really don't want to go out in the shop and work on cars, but I'll sit and watch YouTube videos. And it just, it gets you hyped up and it's like, damn, I want to be out in the shop. Like let's, let's get yep. there again. Let's get to building. Let's figure this out. So that's. Yep. Yeah, you pretty fun. much ran new style since I can ever remember. I mean, you haven't ran a whole lot. I mean, you've ran old iron, but it's been predominant new style, right? Fords? Pretty much, yeah. Really, I I ran a couple. It was pretty funny. I picked up a 74 or 5 two-door Chevy. That was back in my early days. Had an inline six-cylinder in it. <laughs> and I ran that, and I was like, oh, man, like I got one of the best cars out there. Ran it and got my butt kicked because the damn thing, it wouldn't, that six-cylinder wouldn't even pull the car around the track hardly. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, nope, new styles are junk, and or old styles are junk, and I really couldn't yeah. afford them anyway, even the hundred dollar right. bill that they wanted for them back then. But I just, I've always been super comfortable in the new style Fords. They're, they're so quick and agile. And I, I like wheeling rather than, you know, the old iron can definitely take a beating, but I'd rather be out there sticking and gunning and, right. and getting after it. But I, yeah. I ran, I, whenever we go out to like a more stock show, like when we were running Utah pretty often, I was always taking old iron out there. It just seemed like with them light of build rules, you needed the old, you know, the older cars just held up a little bit better. Um, the track was a little bit different out there, so it kind of bogged everything down, it seemed like, where the Fords, 
I don't think would have really would have been as quick as they normally are in, on a harder clay track. But right, well, that's, that's what, what I ran mean. last weekend was an old iron, and that was actually built for uh, that last match fifty to or fifty thousand a win show, and then it got canceled by COVID, and then just some some scheduling conflicts got in the way, and I was sitting on it, and it's like I even looked at that from two years ago. It's like God, this build is so outdated already. Just the way the way we did the bumper brackets, mounting the back bumper, just the cage. Like a lot of the stuff was like, gosh, where are we gonna take this thing to? Because it's the the rules are just so outdated. It's like we got to get rid of it sooner or later. And it was pretty close to the build rules as far as Tada's show there. And um, yeah, we just made it kind of flex some stuff here and there and made it work. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, going back to the experience. Uh, being at multiple different shows and reading the rules is, you know, there's a new style is not always a perfect car for every rule set, which we all know oh, the sure. rule sets change across the United States immensely. So knowing that you might need an old iron somewhere versus a new style, I mean, that, that comes along with the years put in because you've seen it, you've watched it, and you've probably learned it the hard way. Oh, definitely, a yeah. time or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's... Exactly that. Like you said, the build depends so much on on what you're taking where, you know, even like uh, beatdown for a while there, you basically couldn't tip a Ford. Well, that that pretty much excluded new style Fords altogether, in my opinion, because that's right. that's a world of difference on them cars. I mean, it makes or breaks them. And yep. for there, it was just in, in the first couple of years, it was a dominant old iron show. And then Caleb kind of flexed the rules a little bit, let us run some new styles. And I mean, they're, they were up there in the top then after that because they can right. compete. It just They do need a little help on the rules, but just kind of some special areas, it seems like. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, were you the original starter of the As Kicker name? Yeah, that was back in grade school. Yeah, we were in, I think, seventh grade is when we started at me. And it was me, Mikey, and Lucas were, were kind of the three guys that were derby. And, sure. you know, we were at a young age, like, let's figure out a, a cool name. And we really couldn't cuss back then. So it's like, let's be, you know, A-Z-Z. Yeah. And we actually had shirts made long. That was, you know, like I said, back in seventh grade. So probably like the early 2000s. And I right. remember running it to school and I was like, oh, no, we won't get in trouble because it's A-Z-Z. No, I made it about, I don't know, down the hallway one time and the superintendent came and got me. He's like, you better go home and change. But <laughs> no, it started way back then and just kind of with us and it, it just stuck. I mean, it's, we carry that name still and, that's that's basically where it where it started from. Was at a young young age. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much a widely known team name now. Yeah. I mean, it. Yeah. When we're down at Blizzard Bash and competing, it it anywhere. gets known pretty decent, I guess. There. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if you're anywhere and your guys's team name pops up, it's probably going to be on the list of uh, who to watch for. That's that's recognizable for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I still think it's pretty cool. So this year at uh, Black Hills, I was well, I wasn't there live, but I was watching on the TV. And uh, you know, whoever the three or four people doing the talking or announcing, every once in a while they'd bring up like a screen of you know who to watch for. And going into the feature, three of the five drivers who to watch for were from North Dakota. So still think that's pretty oh, cool. Really? Yep, you, you, Larson, and Jacob Edinger were the three. Okay. Um, I don't remember who the other two were. To me, they didn't matter as much because they weren't from our stomping grounds. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's that's awesome. Like that really means a lot. You know, we we pour our heart and soul into it, and to get some recognition like that, like that's you know, we're it, it's awesome that we can run consistently like that. And I mean, there too, the goes with putting the time in. We invest the time and the money, and we want to be at the top of this sport. We want our names to be known, and we want right. to go there like. Like even at Carnage here this year, I was talking with Brady because we had our leftover Blizzard Bash cars and he was kind of on the fence whether we wanted to go or not because the cars were half used up and it's like, do we want to go on that platform and and take used cars there? Should we build fresh? And right. like I told him, I'm like, I just want to see how we can compete on that level. You know, we ran Blizzard Bash as a team quite a few times and that's a little different format and everything there when you got four guys you can depend on and, and out there right. rather than like Carnage, it's more... Granted, everybody, everyone's got their groups and run together, but it's like, let's see what we can do in that field. Cause it was every single, like there was 30 drivers and every, any one of them could have won that show at Carnage. Like it was right. top notch, best of the best. And, you know, we went down there and we didn't take the top spot. Like we were kind of hoping for, but we were up in the top five and it's like, that's pretty damn impressive with, with right. the field that it's at. And same with Beatdown too, you know, they had, I don't remember what the final count was, but there's a ton of, and really good drivers across the country oh, with yeah. top-notch builds and top-notch parts. So it's just every single derby we go to, like, it's it's a challenge. Like, you want to be there at the end. You you want to win it for sure. But just to go there and make the feature and, and be in the top 10, it's a feat. It, it's a, a real challenging feat. And it just it's, – it's awesome when all the hard work and effort that you put into it, like, you're able to turn yep. a top 10 finish out of it. Right, right. Yeah, it's – I would say top five, top ten, depending what show you're at. It's even even local shows. If you can, you know, even place in the top three to five, I mean that means something. Uh, there's a lot of there's a handful of younger guys now that I've been watching since we got all these shows this summer. I think we're gonna have. I can think of three or four guys. I think we're gonna have some really good drivers here in the next three or four years. Not saying they're not good now. I mean they're doing really well for their age, but. They need a couple of years of that, you know, driving experience and watching experience yeah. yet. But they're yep, they're sure. showing showing the right qualities to be in that spot, you know. Because fortunately, I mean, you guys probably do it a long time yet, but at some someday you guys are gonna be done. You know, and from my perspective, I would like to see someone take over for you guys someday. Exactly. Yep. You know, keep keep kind of the North Dakota mentality going that we have a strong suit of drivers here. And I feel, I mean, North Dakota as a state, they got some of the best drivers in the country, really. You know, like I said, look at Shea and Duke. They've had a career of just kicking butt and winning a lot of big shows. You know, you got the guys up north, like Dustin Yanni. He's a prime name out there, too. Carson Dixon, he's out there tearing it up on a lot of big shows. I mean, Mike Schmidt and Tori Hyde, them guys are just, they're they are scary to be on the track. <laughs> yeah. They lay it down, and I mean, yeah. and Brandon Larson, of course. You know, he's, he's a great driver. Brett Stringer, you know, Tanner, I mean... There's just a handful, Jacob Ettinger, there's, it, the list goes on and on. You know, these are all guys that, that run on the national level and compete and, I mean, and win, you know. So we, as a state, we definitely have a dominant uh, group of drivers. And, and it is cool to, to see anyone from our state win, you know. It, yeah, right. That year that Yanni and them guys won Blizzard Bash, it's like, it's cool just to know that you've been on the track with these guys and they won the biggest derby in the country. Like, that, that is a right. feat. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I was. I know we uh, we were out running in Minnesota two months, well, last month, whenever that was, and uh, there was just some people asking about like shows around North Dakota. 
I always tell everybody we might have some of, in my opinion, some of the hardest shows to run at because just all the names you said, not all of them at one time, but a good chunk of all of them show up at shows. You're almost running a top-notch show on a, you know, county fair level, but you got to run against all those guys that are running at a national level consistently. So not only is it building skills for everyone out there because you're running against the best, but it just makes it that much harder to get at get to the end at the end of the day. Yep, for sure. So it's it is fun to watch. It's a lot more stressful to tech and judge when. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, everyone. When uh, you know, you guys and or everyone else that runs out of state, just because those those are the people that are putting in the time to build differently. Yep, no doubt. And like like you touched there too that. Uh, it, it's awesome to see a younger group of drivers not only do good, but just, just to have drivers out there. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem – when I first started, there was – oh, God, I bet there was nine or ten of us building cars at my parents' farm, just that buddies wow. of mine would run, and everybody just wanted to jump in a derby, you know. And now it just seems like that's that's not as common as it used to be. I think everyone – everybody has that mentality that you have to have a $50,000 setup to go out there and run and compete. And I mean, it helps, but – there's just, there's different classes for kind of for everybody. And it, it just right. doesn't seem like people want to put the work in anymore. So to see a group of people consistently run that, that is awesome. And hopefully they do keep with it and keep progressing and there too, right. win some money here and there and just keep putting it back into the, into the sport. And, right. and I mean, that, that's what it takes. It's, you can buy the best parts in the world, but seat time, I mean, that's, that, there's only one way to get that. And that's yeah, the elements. Yeah, I was the same way prior to the family and kid. It's, you know, I was six, eight shows a summer. That's the only way you learn. Yeah, for sure. It is. Consistently ran almost the same build or same kind of car. So nowadays, old iron and or metrics are like my forte because that's all I've ever ran. I've ran like two Fords and they're just not my thing because I didn't have, I didn't have them available. Like you had Fords available. I had old iron and metric GMs. Just because of, I don't know, location. They were available. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't pay like cases of Cruise Light at that time for cars. Exactly. Yep, for sure. My dad bladed the roads and he knew the farmers and he would just like, you know, it was like a handshake deal for most everything I got at the beginning. (laughs) And that, like you said, too, just what you're comfortable in. You know, there's been like when the caddy kick came along and down at Blizzard Bash, all of a sudden them Cadillacs were just dominating and. Right. It, to me, it's like, number one, you got to pay so much for them. And then it's like, what does it take? Five or six of them before you actually figure out what what to do right there. And it was just like, I'd rather get them and trade them off and, you know, get a bunch of Fords for them in return rather than trying to invest in a different setup just for them cars. And then the knowledge that it takes to put into them. And honestly, that's the same with like the wagons and everything too. I mean, I've came across a couple of them and I've sent them down the road right away. And uh, like beat down there when they allowed Imperials. I had a few yep. people ask me, like, you to build an Imperial? And I'm like, I don't know the first thing about building one of them. I'm not going to even waste my time on it. Yep. So I'll stick with something that that's quick and agile and hopefully I can stay out of the way of all the Imperials out there. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never strayed away. And that's what I always give these young guys advice is if you're starting with a build, try to stick with that build. Because if you're hopping all over the place from car to car to car, it's hard to learn the metrics of how it's going to bend and yep. the shots to take. And I don't know, that's just what I've learned from over time. And I'm not, I haven't, I don't build the hardest cars either, but 
you know, there's a lot of the time that they are there at the end and it's just from time. It is. <laughs> and, I time. mean, and a, a good example is like Boar. Boar's been building them old forts yeah. for a long time. And I mean, he's got them figured out. Like he's making them work and he's winning money with them there. And right. that's another car that, you know, everyone and their brother was throwing them things away because it's just an old Ford junk. And he, yeah. he was getting them for cheap. And I mean, he figured it out and, and he makes some, he's got some pretty nice builds out of them too. So Absolutely. it's, it is just what, you know, what you stick with and what you make good. You know, there's guys out there like, look at uh, Blizzard Bash. I mean, there's guys running new style metric GMs that are garbage cars. They're running them down there and they're, they're holding together. You know, it's, I've seen guys run the new style caddies too and make them just wicked hard. And it's just figuring them out and running a couple and, and getting right. it down. Yeah. I can't remember is Derek, was he on the national or the qualifying side? Because his was a metric caddy. Yep, yeah, he was on the qualifying side there. I mean, a nasty car like usual, but two years in a row, he's ran a metric and they've held up. Exactly. I mean, yeah, they should, but. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. They got a lot, to, a lot of lenience on the build there. Yeah. So I see you guys are running Gold Rush. Is that a thing or is that still up in the air? We got a spot for it, yeah. So we're gonna give that a try. Um, you know, we ran Blizzard Bash for quite a few years there, and it just yep. kind of we we've done quite a bit there and everything. And I don't know, we just we we like running different shows. Like me and Brady have talked about, like we want to go to Mayhem some year. We have to go to a, uh, Bash for Cash. Like we want to hit up a bunch of different shows. And yep. honestly, that Gold Rush, from what Sam told me about and everything, like that's I feel that's the next the next big thing really just the venue right. that they got is awesome what they're doing kind of behind the scenes that there's a lot of cool stuff a lot of a lot of respect for the drivers is what right. really caught our attention um you know the, some of these shows it's it's almost like they're they're looking for money more so than the show itself and they forget what builds the show you know without the drivers right. and the cars you know it, it the show doesn't happen and some, even like around here, some of these shows, they just, the, the smallest things, like Leeds, North Dakota, I remember when they had a derby, they would always drive around the pits and they'd give out like free pop, free Gatorade, free water, free free beer to a limitation to, to the drivers and everything. And it's like, that appreciation goes a long ways, you know, just yep. that they actually had somebody giving out stuff like that, like that, that means a lot. And just between that or even, you know, like an event t-shirt, stuff like that, where, to me, that's the things that I'll keep coming back to year after year. It's it, it's just the, the appreciation to the drivers is so important. And I feel that Sam is really pushing really hard for that. And he he knows exactly the direction to, to pull that show. And, you know, he's been part of the biggest shows in the country. So he definitely right. has the knowledge there. And I really think that that's, you want to get on the ground level of that because it's going to just keep growing and get bigger and bigger every year. Absolutely. No, I, I like where you're touching on that is, kind of pleasing the drivers that's something we we finished with last year we only did it once but our plan is to do it every show this year is uh we plan to cook burgers and uh give out waters to all the drivers actually everyone after the derby for that we say drivers but the pit men the drivers yep. works. um we did it in washburn but we fit we did it last year in new salem and we got such good rapport from it. everyone's like that was awesome didn't have to worry about finding food afterwards and have to go to the nearest cafe or yep for sure you know. so we're like screw it if it costs us a few hundred bucks to cook burgers for everybody whatever that's what it takes you know so we're gonna roll with it people like it we're trying to get venues to move to the no entry fee you know wherever we can save the drivers a little bit a uh, little bit of money 
And you guys are the ones coming, putting on the show. You got the gas, got the car expense, the works. So, no, yeah. and that's, that's I think that's the stuff that people talk about. You know, when the Derby's over, you'll talk about who won Mad Dog for a week or two. But every year coming up, it's going to be the little things like that. I yeah. feel that that are going to be the big deal. Um, you know, Jason Hyatt used to put on Botno, and his biggest thing was for the drivers. And he did. He, he followed through. He would get a bunch of sponsors rounded up and – Every year we were there, every driver got entered into a raffle. And there was always a, a premium prize, like I think one or two years for sure, he had a turnkey built car that the driver, the guy that won got to keep. The, the yeah. whole setup, the, the car, the motor, trans, everything. Um, the one year he had a, a, a full car hoist that he gave away. Oh, and wow. every year though, he had, I bet, 20 to 30 door prizes, like tie rod setups, gas pedal setups, like all tranny coolers, stuff like that. And it was all once you once you bought your entry fee, you were entered into that raffle. So you were damn near guaranteed to go home with the one year mm -hmm. I got a I got a set of pedals, uh, you know, so that's four or five hundred dollars. Uh right. the one year I got a set of rims, you know, it just we got a bunch of cool stuff just as raffle prizes. That's just for showing up. So stuff like that was huge in my opinion. And that just took a little bit from the promoter, get a sponsor to to kick yep. in here and there. And you know, he he had a great thing going there, but I think like like every promoter, he had a handful of people complaining every single year and the appreciation went out the window and he just kind of said, you know what, it's not worth all my hard work and effort to to try and build a big show. And that's what killed it. And that's that's the sad part is a few few people bitching and complaining enough and it just takes the wind out of your sails and then he doesn't put that show on anymore. And it it is sad. It, he was doing a damn good job, but that's just yeah. how it goes, unfortunately. Yeah, <clears throat> we've learned to just those people, whatever, <laughs> you know, in one ear, out the other, because most of the time, the people that complain are the ones that don't show up. Exactly. They're not the ones building cars anyway. They're the ones in the stands <laughs> that had a few too many beers and just voicing yeah. their opinion. And that, I mean, that's what you got to do as a promoter and even as a driver, too. You know, there's there's a fair share of people that don't like my driving style either, and they complain about it and this and that. And. You know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I'm going to drive the way that I want and until they start building my cars, I'm not going to change the way that I'm driving for them either, I guess. So, right. Can you say, or maybe you don't want to, who's running with you guys down at uh, gold rush? We got, we got, we'll have to talk to Brady on that. If we want to let the cat out of the bag yet for, for what our sure. team is there. I don't know if sure. we really want to get into that too deep. Um, just some, I wouldn't say hard, maybe some hard feelings there with everything. So we'll probably keep that off, off the record for now anyway. That's fine. That's fine. I got a guess of maybe three of them. I just don't know number four. Okay. He's, he's from out of state, I guess. So it'll, oh, it'll be a great addition guess. to the team and everything. But um, sure. yeah, we'll just kind of keep that under wraps That's for fine. now. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no worries. Like I said, I, I'm pretty sure I know the the three i just the fourth one but out of state i probably wouldn't guess it anyways yeah um yeah there's the teams for that are pretty stacked for sure uh, oh yeah everybody you know and with that sam invited which i i think is pretty cool like he he put together a, a a list of 20 drivers that he knows are going to be there and put on a show whether it's it seems like i see in the list and it seems like a handful of more mad dogs are going to be wild to watch and there's yeah. some slow, good drivers, and then there's some in between too. It seems like so, but like any big show, if every single team they're gonna have a shot at winning that. Every team's gonna have a group of four great drivers. So 
it's it's gonna be fun just to be on that level. We talked about like we talked about Blizzard Bash bumping up to qualifying internationals, and there it's the rules are so wild and yeah, just such a step up with with the setups we'd have to. I mean, like me and Brady, for instance, we'd probably have to throw ten grand at at our build, and I I think that we have top notch builds the way it is, but you would just yeah. have to spend that on on all the the spindles and all that extra stuff that comes along with that national side where gold rush rules they they seem a, they're still a heavier build in the limited class but they're not quite as wild as as like blizzard bash full mod there sure so uh going back to the team portion when well you've been on a handful of different teams over the years shane duke yada yada willie silly willie's been on your team i mean a whole a whole bunch of different people what what uh do you get do you have kind of have uh a screening process, I guess you could call it, for who who you're choose, picking and choosing to be on the team? We really, I mean, I really haven't had that many different drivers. You know, we started, the first time we ran that team show was in Mandan, so it was me, Shay, and Duke, and then Andy Hansen, and that yeah. was just kind of our group. You know, we ran, us four ran together quite a bit around on single shows, and we right. worked well with each other, so that was the team. Um, and then, you know, Andy kind of dropped out, we picked up Zach Fetchrell, which there too, he was just a great mix. We've ran quite a few shows with him before. So he just blended right into like our, our team chemistry, really. We just, right. me and, well, me and Zach went out to Utah a couple of times and ran together and had really good luck out there. And sure. we just, our driving styles meshed really well and seemed to work out good. Um, then, yeah, we had, we had uh, Willie with that one year at Blizzard Bash, the first yep. year and we won it. Um, yep. He just, he was just a wild child. He was a good <laughs> friend of mine. We hung out a lot at the time and, he was just pumped about doing it. And we kind of talked and it's like, okay, like he's going to build a good car and everything. And he, he definitely went wild out there for sure. And he was stacking okay. stuff up, but it's like, calm down a little bit. We've got to save some car <laughs> for the future. And he right. was dozing, but I mean, it, it helped though. It seemed like everybody right. that he hit, he was damn near taken out too. So right. that was, that worked out pretty well. And, and then I got on with me and Brady were talking for a couple of years before even before he got on the team there, as ironic as it was the last year we ran Mandan, we drew Brady's team and ran against them. So like him and Troy and Brett, we ran against their team. So it, it really sucked. We kind of wanted to work together, especially in the feature, but is what it is. Um, We just talked about it and like Brady and me and Brady ran a lot of shows together and there too, we had good chemistry and Brady and Brett ran a lot of shows together. They had good chemistry. And at that time we were just kind of looking through the list and, we kind of wanted Alinda a hat to have another hammer on the team. And we were going through just a list of people and uh, Tata won the singles class, the limited singles the year before that. And he could drive kind of both ways, aggressive and, and lay back a little bit. So we brought him on and yeah, he, he definitely was the hammer there. He was laying it down and he helped, especially in the heats a lot, you know, he'd right. go out and, I mean, he'd use his car up, but, the more he'd use his car up, the more kind of me and Brady were able to save our cars for the feature too. You know, he was taking people out, which took less stress on our cars. And that, right. that worked for quite a while as well. Right. And it's kind of the screening process, I guess, is just, you know, somebody that, that can finish a show that can drive, drive accordingly, I guess. Right. If it's a fast pace, they can keep up. If it's slow pace, they can kind of keep at bay. Um, right. And then just have a good setup. But really the biggest thing for us was always just the chemistry people that we ran with and you know, we could, and it, it, on a team show atmosphere, it seems like you got to have people that are watching out for each other. You know, when, when me and Brady hit the track, I, I pretty much know where he's at all the time and he knows where I'm at all the time. There's been, 
just countless times that I'm getting kind of, you know, piled up on it. Here comes Brady coming through at about 60 and just <laughs> mops the floor with everybody. And, yep. and vice versa, if Brady's getting kind of picked on pretty good, I can go through and bail him out of there. And, and just we keep each other going. And it, it's constantly like we're right. – I don't think we ever let each other – get hung out to dry. I mean, that's even, even cost us a couple of derbies where I came and got them out of trouble and judges didn't like that too much. They kicked us both out. So <laughs> we've been down that road too, but honestly, I mean, I do it over and over and you know, that show, I knew that he was going to kick us both out for team driving, but it's like, I ain't going to leave him hanging either. So it's, right. it is what it is. That's, <laughs> that was a long time ago too. Yeah. I was there for that. Actually, yeah. a couple of times. I remember. I think I remember it twice. Did it happen? <laughs> did it happen? Dickinson once or my? Oh, yeah, that was with Shay and Duke though, and that happened. Yep. But yeah, yep. another show where I got yelled at that I have to hit them guys, and then I go out there and hit the guys, and I get kicked out for hitting them. So kind of weird how that works. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it happens. I mean, there's two ways to look at it from a driver's perspective, and then like the judge slash promoter perspective, you know. Is I always tell everyone I got to please the drivers, but I also got to please the spectators too, because spectators are paying the bill for you guys to drive, but you guys are putting yep. on the show for the spectators to watch. So it's kind of a big rotating circle that you got to semi keep everyone happy. I mean, you're not always going to get everyone to be happy, but a good majority. <laughs> yeah, I try to do the, the exactly that, the best majority of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you guys came to New Salem, Gosh, three years ago. Yep. I knew it was going to be a bloodbath. I knew who it was going to be a bloodbath between. You know, not that there was maybe hard feelings before. It's just how it works between two groups of drivers that are always consistently doing well. Knew how it was going to happen, you know, and it's a super tough situation to be in because it's, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. It just, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's, Every promoter, every driver has their own version of team driving and everything. Yep. You know, yep. what, I don't know what kind of bugs me is when the promoter comes out there and says, hey, you have to hit this guy. You know, we, yeah. we ran, I think that was Bowman. That was a couple of years ago, too. And it was like, I don't know, a minute into the feature. And they're screaming at me to hit Brady. And I'm like, yeah. I haven't even seen him yet. Like, you want right. me to drop around the whole track and run him down to find <laughs> him to hit him? Like, that's kind right. of bogus. But and then, you know every show you, you have groups of people running together. So some yep. people do a lot better than others. So it's, yep. it's just, it's I'm wild how we're always the ones getting yelled at when, you know, they brought eight cars, we brought three and we're, we're the guys team driving against their eight. That's kind of yep. weird. But it, it just is what it is, I guess. And I mean, it, everybody, like I said, everybody sees it different, but to me, yep. if, if you're not holding someone down and beating on them, like, you shouldn't right. have to go and find a specific car to go hit, you know, like my, my driving style when I was younger, it basically, I would pick well, one car, one random car and I would hit that car until he was done. Like I yeah. wouldn't start a scruffle with anybody else. I would just after that one car until it was over. And that's just the way I drove, you know, it, right. it wasn't that it wasn't picking on him. I wasn't going after just one guy or for personal reasons. It was just one random dude. Who, it usually was whoever hit me first. Like, okay, well, I got your number now until you're done or until one of us is done. Like, I'm going to go after you. That's just my strategy. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, I don't know. We all know how it goes. It's just one of those things that's 
Like you said, on a promoter side, you know, like you got to keep the crowd happy and I'm sure it looks bad at times. And as a driver side, you know, we, we kind of want to do, we want to drive the way we want to drive too. So you got to keep a happy medium there. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So where, where to next? Do you know where you're going next or? Not sure. Um, I know we got, me and Brady both got car left from, from last weekend. So we're going to try and find a set of rules that are relatively close, whether we got to cut some off or add some that's sure. that build kind of we're we're not heavy enough to be a limited car really and we're not light enough to be a chain car so we got to kind of figure out where we want to go from there but do sure. a couple it's going to be more local shows i know that and sure. kind of do a, i wouldn't call it a cleanup show but kind right. of run some take these cars there and, and get them used up a little more um were you allowed bumper brackets and things like that we had like a 10 inch bumper bracket up front and then kind of, I ran stock brackets in the back. So, but I think that was like a 10 inch rule, a 10 or 14 inch rule at the back. So not, not terrible. And, and we had to stick with like the engine. Uh, we really could only have a steel bell as it, as far as the transmission, lower cradle on the engine. So like I said, it's kind of more like a chain class build there. It's not the limited, not enough to run a limited class without the pressure and everything on the motor and that set up, but there too, like we had to have stock rear ends here too. So that's more there again, back to kind of the chain, the chain style right. build. But kind of caught right in the middle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's where like out in Montana, they're, they're doing like a class one, two, three, and four. So that's, they're kind of, kind of pioneered that too, to really initiate basically your four basic classes. It's not like, right. you know, some places around here, somebody's chain class is like, well, you can do a lot for a chain class or, you can't hardly do anything for a chain class. You know, there was, I think Caleb's show, if I remember right, like you had to have a stock drive shaft. I don't even think you could have headers out the hood. So it's like, holy, that's a, that's a super light chain class. And yeah. like most shows around here, at least you can have like a slider or do motor swap, stuff like that. So it's right. every promoter just has their little bit of differences. And that's what sucks when we got a car like this, where you're right in between them. So it's like I said, you, you add a bunch to it to run a limited class and, uh, like a lot of them, you pull the motor out and wrap it up in your cradle and stuff, and then stuff it back in again, or do you cut a bunch of stuff off and try and run a chain class with it? It's you're really in a in a tough spot. It would be nice to have a more unified set of rules statewide where you'd be like, oh, that's a class three, so we're just going to take it. It's it's the same rules to every show, right? Yeah, it would be nice. Unfortunately, there's some promoters that want their touch on it. It is, and you know, I've said that too. The what one promoter you could have the same set of rules and two promoters could could read them differently even too that too you know, where 100%. If, if you're running with a group of just you know five guys from over here they're gonna say this this and this is okay but then you take that exact same car over there and it's like well no that's not the way we read the rules you know so that's that's the other part i mean you can't have the same promoters running every single show in the state and so that's it, it's a tough situation to be in really it is. It's even say Black Hills car shows up to one of our shows, which the rules are like down to the T identical, except for one line item. And I, to be honest, he has like eight guys looking at those cars. I'm it's me and another guy not saying stuff gets missed, but we might read the rules differently. Exactly. On how he reads them, you know, or we let something slide. He doesn't, or he lets something slide. We don't and vice versa. So yeah, it is it's even just yeah clarity that's what i told yeah, uh, yeah. gumby and was it sam maybe it was sam williams i was like 
I, it, it's a long shot, but to have like some sort of unified, you know, across the United States, even like some, what would you call it? Like tech training. So like there's clarity on different rules. So if you do go to different shows, you kind of have the same perception of the line items in a sense, you know? So, I mean, that's, far off. that's yeah. like down the road, but it would be cool to have kind of like a, a NASCAR or a whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's a big thing, but it would be a step towards it. I think so. And, and with that, I mean, it, you would think too, it would bring more exact same set of rules or, I know it was talked about years ago to do like a national tour where, you know, like you'd, you'd run all these bigger shows, kind of like what Sam's doing with that, uh, with that championship heat at, at Gold yep. Rush, but you would get points for running Beatdown. You get points for running River City Rampage. You get points for running Wasatch Wipeout. Like you would get points at all these shows on a national level. And then at the end of the year, you know, you would get some kickbacks, you know, some money rewards or, or an engine yep. or, or whatever have it. But uh, it would get people to start traveling. and Because, they, yeah, Sam did do that. Now that I think about it some more, he had, like, a UD points uh, circuit there. And it was, like, five or six shows. And I think they had one out in Colorado and a couple around Nebraska and Kansas area. And, and they traveled, and they, they gave out some damn good prize money. It made it worth doing it. I think that's a good way to get these – I mean, the shows are pretty big the way it is, but to get a good constant following of everybody and – you know, North Dakota does, or they used to have that points series. And even as a little kid, that was always kind of my dream was to run that. And we finally did. What was that? That was like three or four years ago as well. And uh, it wasn't near what it used to be. I mean, it used to be you'd have 50, 60 guys down near every show right. running for it. And I mean, there, right. I think overall, they had a good turnout for, for the shows that they did have, but it just wasn't the, the huge show that they used to have. And it was just cool to run that. And I mean, I ended up winning it. Brady ended up second. But just to, like I said, as a little kid, I've always wanted to run the full circuit. And, and we did. You know, we ran, we ran Tap in a show that we usually don't run. We ran Linton. That, that was the first time I've ever ran there. Like, center, actually, the majority of the shows, I never ran them, them shows right. before. And I did it just because of that. I was in the points race. So I wanted to, didn't want to miss any. And we built cars for them. So I think a lot of people would kind of, if you had you know, a, a system like that nationwide, I think a lot of people would follow that series and build right. all winners and have fresh cars for them all. And you just have monster shows at, at every single one of them, great followings. And, and it would just be cool there again to, to compete on that level of, of just top-notch drivers across the country every single or every other weekend, whatever it would be. Right. right. Yeah, um, we're hoping, you know, this is our first year starting the points back up in North Dakota. Uh, we're kind of hoping for the same thing because I had the same mentality. I won the points twice, you know, throughout my career, I guess. And same way when I was younger, you look at the points like, wow, you see those other guys winning it. You know, you go to the banquet after the whole year's over. It's like, wow, I, I want to be the guy with the big trophy, you know. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but yeah, we, you know, we're giving away an engine and uh, a car and, all sorts of wheels and transmissions and things like that. So hopefully it's some sort of incentive for uh, these guys to keep running. Um, you know, it is kind of a extra reward at the end of the end of the year. If you put in the time. It's something to build for. Yeah. And yeah. I think I mean, with everything too, it seems like that 
everybody wants to see how the first couple of years goes really, you know, the, the, you usually don't get the, the best following the first year. Cause they just want to see like, how are the techs going to be? How are the shows going to be at, you know, are they going to be consistent across everything is what are the rewards going to be at the end of the year? And people start seeing that they're giving away a turnkey engine. Like, Whoa, that's, that's worth running these five, six shows every year to try and get that. Cause that's, that's a yep. big money value. And that's something, you know, that's the heart of the car. That's a big part of Derbian is having a good, reliable engine. Yeah, it's, uh, I think we've seen it in the past where some of the stuff maybe didn't follow through quite like, you know, it was maybe portrayed at the beginning of the year. And that's definitely our goal is everything will be followed through. Um, actually, we have everything ready to give out other than the engine, which is almost done too. It'll be about okay. a $4,000, 355 that we give out. I mean, to a, to a guy yeah, that... that's a pretty damn good incentive for most of these you know? Right, right. So I don't know. In my opinion, I, I would definitely gun for an engine, you know, because I'm not the. I've built all my own stuff, so I've, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to go spend a bunch of money on a engine. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> I mean, I spend money, oh, I on things, but not fifteen plus thousand like a lot. Some people do. I just exactly. Yeah. I've done well with what I've had, and I've never seen a need for that. I guess. And I that was my first. I guess I'd call it big motor. Like I've, I've always ran same thing, rebuilt engines. I mean, kind of closer to a stock loose engine is what I was always rebuilding and running. Not, not a whole lot of aftermarket parts. And it was, it, it was, gosh, what year was that? It was about four years ago. I think it was now I was down at blizzard bash and I was running my setup and that was the first time it's like, like I'm getting outpowered. Like I just, I, you know, I was taking angles on cars and everything. And it's like, they were just, they had more horsepower than me and got out of the way of hits that like normally I could connect with. So I talked to a, talked to an engine builder out of Fargo and he's, he's an old, he's about 75, 76 years old, an old dude that just yep. been around circle track racing derby his whole life. And, you know, I was kind of talking with him a little bit and uh, a good friend of mine, Mike Shield is what actually introduced me. He got an engine built from him. And Mike did a whole bunch of research on, you know, what Baldwin's doing, what uh, Collier's doing, what every, all these big builders are doing and why. And yep. uh, he went to, went to our engine builder and he's like, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And he's like, I mean, if you want to waste 15 grand, yeah, we can do it that way. But if you want right. to go this way, we can do the same, have the same results for about 4,000. And yep. he's like, well, how can you do that? And he's like, well, I got this old thing laying out here and I got this set of dart heads that they're used, but they're good. And we can machine yep. that out. And, Put on this intake and it's like all this random stuff and it's kind of at first you're like we're we gonna get the results out of this thing with, <laughs> with all these used parts but we did and i mean that engine that i got i mean i love it absolutely love it it's more than i ever would have thought i'd have in a car i mean it's not it's not mike schmidt loud by any means but right. i don't think there is any engine out there that is as loud as his but right. i mean it works it, it pulls the car just fine and you know it, it's got me where i need to be a lot so no i i remember I remember you had a guy from Fargo build your engine because when you were doing yours, uh, we kind of messaged back and back and forth um, about it, and well, I built one at the same time. Yep. So I just remember you had a guy from Fargo, and I ended up using an older gentleman, retired gentleman in Bismarck. Same. Oh, okay. Been around circle track his whole life. He's built a handful of derby engines, but nothing like super competitive. Just like you know, he's like, yeah, I built one for this guy, like. 10 years ago out of South Dakota. All I remember is his name was, or don't remember his name. He just called himself Big Daddy. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. But uh, gotten to know him. 
yeah, I, I didn't spend much money. Uh, now I'm on my third engine from them because everything has been, I mean, top notch from them. And I probably spend a 16th of what most exactly. people are spending. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I hear you there. I've had zero issues and I, I you know, got to stick with what works. And that's, it's, it's worked for me for quite a few years now and probably wouldn't ever do anything different. That's exactly where I'm at too. Kind of with my whole setup, but just sticking with what works, you know, it, I finally got a full air style tranny cooler last year at Blizzard Bash for the first time I ran a full fan engine or a tranny cooler. And it's like the ice chest worked for years and years and years for me. And it's like, I don't want to switch from something that, that works fine, you know? And then yep. finally it's just like, okay, it's, it's time to upgrade the setup. So I, I upgraded a lot of stuff on it actually this year at, at Blizzard Bash. And I mean, I'm happy I did, but at the same time, it's like that stuff worked forever. And I just, yep. I was really nervous at Blizzard Bash, just like, gosh, you know, all this stuff that I got that I don't normally run and it's proven to work, but at the same time, it's right. any time you try something different, there's, there's them jitters that it, it should work flawless, but there's just yeah. that chance that something goes wrong. I know this was a long time ago. You and I talked, did you uh, ever end up tying your ice chest into your air tranny cooler? I did actually. I got, I got a different setup that it, it's set up where it goes, it comes out of the tranny, goes into an air style one, then into the ice chest and then back to the transmission. So it, it, it's the best of both worlds, I guess, in my opinion there. So I still got to buy ice and bring that with, but yeah, most of the time, like the last couple of years, before that, I, I would be running out of ice at the end, and it'd be hot, like hot, hot water in there. And yeah. now it's you know, a half hour, forty-five minute feature, and I still have ice in the chest left, and everything's running nice and cool. So, right, yeah, it makes a big difference. I don't know. I same. I ran ice chests for a long time, and I've also ran the fan style for a long time. I finally had a fan one give me problems out in Montana whenever Wheelie had that show a couple of years ago. Oh, okay, I don't know the f whatever I, I mean yeah it was a long feature but to me it wasn't long enough to have issues and my yeah. tranny cooler got so ungodly hot that the line started smoking then oh, i geez. yeah i knew i knew the tranny was gonna go then it flew just too hot and everything else yeah. it was like the cooler couldn't keep up and i i wasn't really driving that hard so it shouldn't have been getting hot like that that's one of those should have been back in the old should have been running the ice chest but you know Tried to keep up with the new times and it just didn't. Yep. <laughs> On that, everything. I mean, I was I was probably one of the last people around to run a, a cable shifter too. Like I had a rod through the floor for at Blizzard Bash a long, long time. I had the stock <laughs> steering column set up at Blizzard Bash for a long, long time. I yeah, I up this was the this last year was the first year that I didn't have a handful of people come up to me and be like, Jesus Ponzi, your stuff is so underbuilt every year. Like, how do you, how do you get to the end? Like everything you got is just so old school and underbuilt. And it's like, I don't know. I just try and wheel it out to make it yep. happen. You know? And it yep. was like I said, the, my pedal setup, I ran the stock pedals for a long, long time until I switched over to a, a floor mounted setup and the shifters and the steering column, just all that stuff, all the steering, the ball joints, tie rods, all that fancy stuff. Like I was, I was running stock stuff for a long, long time before I, and I just, same thing there. It wasn't that I was afraid to, to get the setup, uh, set up for the, all the aftermarket stuff. I just like, it worked. So why change it? Like yep. it, a couple of people would always ask me like how I keep, how I keep my steering straight and my, my A-arms and ball joints from, from breaking with the factory stuff. And I just tell them like, don't get hit in the wheels. That's all you <laughs> yeah. 
that's the secret. Just don't get hit in the wheels and that stuff won't bend. hundred percent. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Not a problem. I, I had a good time and I follow all your podcasts and it's, it's cool. an awesome thing you're doing there, trying to get some recognition for, for our state and just build the sport. And I think all yeah. this stuff helps just getting different drivers views and, and promoters views and, and parts vendors and everything. Like it's a good thing. It, it, any, any form of, of broadcasting, it, it moves right. our sport in the right direction. And I really think that we between, you know, what Sam's doing there and some other promoters, like, I think we could build this sport to the next level. Like we're right on the cusp of it. And it's just, I think appreciating the drivers is a big step and really just getting some big sponsors kicking in is a big step. Um, I felt kind of before COVID, you know, Stern Dirt had a lot of steam going with some big stuff, especially putting on that Vegas show. And then all of it, it just all got shut down with COVID. And it's, it's hard to bounce back from that as a company and just as a support group. And I mean, it would be awesome to see a big, big, big money show out there. And just that to have a big venue where we're a great track and just get yeah. a lot of them, them big casino sponsors in there and could make it happen. You know, it's a destination derby and the, the fan support was huge there because you can fly out for Vegas super duper cheap, you know? Yeah. And it was, everybody wanted a derby on that venue or in that, basically in that city. It's just, yep. that was one of the biggest things. We were gunning to get in there and we, we, we got drawn in through that and, we had a laundry list of people that paid that, what was it, 25 or 50 bucks to be on the yeah. draw even just to get a spot. And we had, luckily we got a spot and got in and, you know, we, we poured our heart and soul into that. We had a heck of a time because we ran uh, Blizzard Bash the week before and then we went clear across the country to Vegas. And yep. we, uh, we were calling it November to remember and it sure as hell was to, <laughs> to go down to Kansas and then straight across to Vegas. And, you know, yep. and that was that was so fun to me to be on, like we were on a derby tour. We went from Kansas all the way to Las Vegas on in Derby. And in two weeks, we derbied at two major huge shows. And it was just so awesome. And it's like, God, if we could do this every weekend, you know, if we could get the support and the sponsor, this would be living the dream. And, but right. I think, you know, we're, we just got to move in the right steps with, with the, with the sport and everything. And, I mean, yep. some shows were definitely getting there. Some shows were getting stepped back a little bit. But all in all, it just it takes the right sponsor, the right promoter to put some stuff together. And I think it's in the works. And I really, I really hope that that it can push for that. And you know, who knows where it could go? 